I'm Aria Schwartz along with Ben Dull, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. With many of the big free agency moves in the rear view, it's time to discuss the power rankings and what teams have left to do. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com while you're over there check out the overseas tracker it's live now you can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place and one last plug you need to check out the free agency tracker we got lots of trackers going on we're like a gps over here ben dole has done an amazing job tracking all the movement throughout this free agency period and what it means for the league as of now you know there's it's hard to say power rankings right ben the the draft hasn't happened there's still some final moves to be made there's some big names who have not signed their contracts yet But that's the fun of it. We're putting on our GM cap and we're talking power rankings. First, we're going to talk power rankings and then we're going to dive in to a few other free agency topics that I know uh, the fans are interested in and you and I are interested in. Before we do rankings, um, I assume that we're going to view these in different styles of tiers. So always feel free to to pop in and say otherwise. But uh, anything you want to say to start off the episode, Ben? Hey, I'm just doing you a solid, man. You've been fiending to to rank some teams so i'm gonna play ball here there we go yeah i have been fiending um all right well i i broke it down into a few different uh categories you got the top dogs the the people who going into the season or as of right now you expect them to be in the finals right and and not going to the finals fine i get that maybe that's not like a disappointment but not making the semifinals for these teams that's a disappointment. And the two teams that I have in that in that tier is Vegas and Chicago, right? Vegas, for the sense of they have Chelsea Gray, I think it's a great fit. Um, bringing back Liz Cambage, healthy Kelsey Plum. Uh, this team just looks too stacked and too scary. And then when it comes to Chicago, I think they kind of put all their chips in. They said, this is the one type of player that we need to be next level and make a championship run. And that player was Candace Parker, and they got her. And hopefully they have a healthy Azrae Stevens and a healthy Diamond of Shields this next season. And I got to say, looking at this team, you have to think, you know, the expectations were high last year. Now they add a rookie of the year and an MVP and a champion to their roster all in one in Candace Parker. You got to expect that that's that high. Um, if you were to use that type of, of tiering, Ben, is there any team I'm missing or would you not have both those teams in there? What, what's your thoughts? I would probably circle five teams right now that I think can actually win the championship and my, my top two within that group, which is where I, I think I would separate the separate them is I would have Vegas one and DC two. Ooh, DC. So this is where it gets interesting. Cause my my next tier, uh, my my tiers are top dogs, contenders, could be contenders, but I still need to see something to believe it, which I know is a cop out in our current state. Um, fighting for a playoff spot and then not making the playoffs. I think we all agree on that bottom spot of not making the playoffs. In my opinion, Indiana is the only team who's not actually going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Do you agree? Disagree? Yes, I agree. I agree with that. I had to, I had to, you disagreed with me in the beginning. So I had to, you know, snake in one that we agree about for me, for the contenders. So like the top four teams that I feel confident in right now, um, fully confident in their ability is Vegas, Chicago as, as the top dogs contenders, Minnesota and Phoenix. I really, really like what both these teams have done. Maybe that's the, um, the old REA of, you know, so used to seeing these teams succeed and face off in the playoffs. And, and hopefully that means another, another rivalry. Um, but th- so those are my top four teams. And then for contenders, but I need to see more. I have Connecticut, Seattle, and Washington all for very different reasons. Washington. I don't know how this Tina Charles thing is going to look. I don't know how 
the lack of Christy Tolliver and Ariel Powers is going to look. Um, I am excited about Alicia Clark. I am excited about the uh, surgeons, not resurgence, just the surgeons of Maisha Hines Allen. Seattle, I think the questions are obvious with all the people that they've lost. How are they going to gel? And then Connecticut is kind of like a merry-go-round of who's not going to be, which of the big names is not going to be with them. And so for me, I just think that it's a a system of I all three of those teams I think are contenders, but to put them, I don't have the same confidence that I do with Phoenix and Minnesota. It, obviously, you think of it in a little bit of a different way, but kind of give me your thoughts on that. Well, so are you saying? So are you saying all seven of those teams? Do you think they have a realistic chance to win the championship? I, I would say out of all those teams, Connecticut has the least re- uh, Connecticut or Seattle probably has the least realistic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I truly think, and this is the one of the first times that I can remember that there is five to seven teams in the league that could legitimately win a championship. I, I truly think that it's going to be like a very, very close race to see who gets what seeding in the playoffs this coming season. Yeah, the seat, the seating is one thing. Seven might be a little high if we're talking about teams that can actually win it. But if we're going to actually get to the the Mystics here, I have the rest of my top five. It's the same as your top four. So I guess just what, what do you not like about the Mystics right now? Well, like I said, like I would consider them a contender. And actually, I'm curious but, but, your but thoughts on some this. Holes. Like what, what, do you not, yeah. what do you not like? All right, well, Natasha, I mean, granted, assuming Emma and Natasha join the team, which it, all signs seem to be pointing that way, maybe Emma doesn't join. For me, my my question is just that, and I think we've talked about it in a podcast episode before, I'm concerned about the playmaking ability. You know, Errol Atkins, uh, Alicia Clark, and Natasha Cloud are going to be asked to create a lot more offense than I think any of them have ever necessarily been asked to do in their careers. So for me, I'm not saying Natasha cloud. I'm not saying those three players can't do it. What I'm saying is, is that I think too many people, and maybe this is just me sticking my tongue out at the people like, you No offense who are standing here saying, you know, Oh, they're a, they're a legit championship contender. I'm not specifically saying they're not. What I'm saying is we can't all, we can't, just go, oh, they're the 2019 champions and they missed key players last year. So we're going to view them in that same light. I just don't view them in the same light because their roster had, has had so much turnover since that 2019 season. I, I just can't look at them the same. So for me, I need to see what Tina Charles with that roster looks like. I need to see, you know, what we are, what we can expect from, uh, you know, and Atkins being more of a offensive, uh, you know, leader, uh, more of somebody who they need to be offensively active as opposed to in the past. It's just kind of been, you know, a cherry on top. I, I, I just, I just disagree that I don't think it's really going to be Clark and Atkins being asked to do all this stuff. It's going to be on their front court where they added Tina Charles. And then they have this version of Maisha Hines Allen. If they have two of those, two of those front court players out there at the same time, maybe even three. But if you just think of it as two, Helena Deladon, and from, from, from my perspective, I would think Tina Charles is going to start. So if you start games with Elena and Tina, and you have that dead bang shooting from Clark and Atkins in the game, you have Natasha Cloud, who's going to be able to run a pick and roll in space. Tina Charles can post up one-on-one. And if you send help, she's throwing it out to a th- good three-point shooter. I don't really see a lot to not like there, especially if we are at least factoring Misaman being there by the time the playoffs start. You bring her off the bench, and then you also have the Heinz Allen factor that's also able to, at minimum, just give you something else when some of these other players are resting. The, if you want to point it to 2019, not having the element with Christy Tolliver, I understand that, but Tolliver wasn't the same player in the playoffs anyways. True, but they also then relied heavily on powers. Like that, my, uh, I, don't know, my th- I don't know about, I think heavily might be a little too strong. 
All right, heavily might be Powers a little too wasn't strong. Cl- but closing every single game in the playoffs. You're right, but here's the thing. As we saw when Christy Tolliver went down, and a sentiment that I heard repeatedly was when Christy Tolliver went down, we plugged in Ariel Powers, and, you know, our team, you could argue, looked better without Christy. And, I'm not, and you know, they it wasn't just as simple as we plugged in Ariel Powers. There was other players, um, excuse me, who took in there and, and got more minutes and got more run. But for me, it it's just hard for me to look at that 2019 team and 2019 team. That's a really that's a tongue twister um, and say that's kind of my jumping board or my barometer of this team. Now, obviously, look, that was one of the historic great teams offensively in league history. Right. But to be fair, I just don't think we can use that as the barometer. So for me, it's like, okay, yeah, they won the championship. They still have a few pieces from that championship run, some key pieces. I'm not I'm not trying to downgrade that. But this is a very different team. So it, it's not the same as, you know, for instance, Minnesota, um, who plugged in Taj McWilliams Franklin leaves. And then they plug in Sylvia Fowles, right? And then so this this isn't like a championship team plugging in one player. Now they're plugging in multiple players. And at what point is this just a completely different beast? Now, I I will play the own, my own devil's advocate and say, well, the argument, REA, is, yeah, it's a different beast, and but they have a plentiful amount of, of skilled players and, and high-power players, so they're still going to be fine. Is, is that what you're saying? Or are you saying... Because I, I guess my argument is more so not that this team isn't going to be successful, but that I can't compare them to the 2019 and have like that high of basis uh, of baseline expectations for them. Does that make sense? Well, I would, I would just ask, you know, how do you, how do you think people are going to be able to guard them? If Elena Deladon is healthy to start the season and they're just going to throw her the ball, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to risk leaving Atkins and Clark open for three. Cloud is still, a big time pick and roll threat with her ability to get in the lane and kick it out. And again, I think the Tina Charles element, I think has been, I think it's been kind of miscast maybe what the concerns might be there. If Tina Charles is just playing Latoya Sanders' minutes, well, if you're guarding the Mystics before, Latoya would just get left open for a 15 footer. But if you switch a smaller player, Tina's just going to post her up and that's a free two points they can actually throw Tina the ball and she can actually do something, take a dribble, do something, you know, just do something, be more than a totally stationary player. Or if they just put in Maisha Hines Allen in that spot and she's going to be shooting threes and she can take it all the way to the basket. She can drive and kick. She can punish mismatches. I mean, I just think they're going to be too hard for people to guard. I, I think it's going to be exciting and interesting. Obviously my, my opinions will probably change once we get closer to the season or honestly, my opinions probably won't change about this until I can see some tape and see, okay, this is how they're going to run things. If I'm a defending coach, I'm just going to say, okay, I'm fine with Tina beating us. If we, you know what I mean? Like I, while yes, she's a much more efficient offensive threat than Latoya Sanders. I'm fine saying, okay, we're going to get her. Like she can get hers. Cool. But if we can, you know, try and contain Elena Deladon and not allow Alicia Clark to get, you know, many open three looks, I, I think that's going to be the issue. I, honestly, I will say my offensively for this team, I think is the issue. Defensively, I think this team is going to be much better than we ever saw them before in that 2019 run. I think it's definitely possible. And that also just makes me kind of wonder how you're just kind of still struggling to see the upside for them. It, like the going back to the point of having someone that can dribble. Sure. I think there's a little bit more on clouds plate at the end of the day, a deal that deal that st- they still have to get done. Obviously, by the way, they do still have Leilani Mitchell coming off the bench. who can give you good minutes, especially in the regular season. So m- maybe they're a little light in that aspect, but if you're still able to let Deladon play in space to where she can go one-on-one, if you still have Misa in at some point, and then just having Heinz Allen. Heinz Allen can do a lot, can can take up a lot of that. 
trying to trying to make some plays for you too. So I, I just yeah, defensively, I think I think they'll be really exciting if Tina Charles really wants to buy into this role and Mike Tebow wants her to to really help them out with their rebounding and they can still have a lot of size on the court a lot of the time. I, I agree with you on that part. I also will say that we are going into this assuming we don't have more opt-outs due to health concerns. COVID is still real. It is still a thing. There is still a chance that come WNBA season time, Elena Deladon, Latoya Sanders, even Tina Charles, three players who all set, did not play because of health concerns, um, could still not be playing. Now, that's not going into my evaluation. I don't think that's going into your evaluation. I think we're, we're viewing it as all these players are playing. Enough about DC, though. Obviously, we don't see eye to eye. And I think these types of conversations just grow grow to strengthen it. You know, I mean, it, it's look, we'll debate this. We'll continue to debate it. At some point, we'll have Rachel come in here and moderate and uh, do it ESPN style and like give us points for cool points that we make. But I'm curious for you with I include them. Basically, I'll put it this way. In my categorization, Washington, Seattle and Connecticut have an asterisk next to them because I just in my mind have these question marks. We talked about Washington. Quickly, Seattle and Connecticut, do you feel closer to where I am or f- similarly like distant from me like we, we were on Washington? Yeah, I, I also have them in that next group for me. I have Connecticut 6, Seattle 7. You know, Connecticut, they're still going to be really hard to play against. They're still going to be really good on defense. It, you're You're basically looking at John, I, I think right now with what they're going to do at power forward, I mean, they signed Morgan Birch. Uh, I, I, it'd awesome, be, obviously be awesome for Morgan if she can make a roster, but you know, we'll see if she's even a part of the rotation. So if it's just, if it's basically a clean swap of John Quill Jones for Alyssa Thomas, there are some things you can't do defensively without AT in the lineup, but they're still going to have a ton of size. You have the element of JJ protecting the rim and on the glass, which they didn't have. They're going to lose a lot of their transition game without AT being able to one the one to get it and go. So I think offensively, it's still going to be a struggle for them sometimes. Again, especially because, you know, if they're going to play Dewana Bonner at the four, that can get pretty interesting. But then who's that other player that they're going to plug on the wing? You know, they didn't, they didn't add anybody else. In terms of a proven veteran, I like like Kamaya Smalls as a flyer, but we'll see if she even makes the roster. So that's kind of why I didn't really like the Brianna Jones contract for them too, is if they could have just gotten someone that can shoot and see if that would work out for you. So I think Connecticut, there's going to be questions if if it's just going to be too tough for them offensively. And Seattle, maybe the maybe the opposite end of the coin. It's just how good can they actually be on defense with something else at small forward, like playing that by committee. And then at the five, rather than Natasha Howard, we've seen Mercedes Russell in that starting role for them. Is Ezzy Magagor just going to take off? I'm, I'm more than willing to adjust how I'm looking at them if, if we see it from Ezzy. But right now, I just, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The, the interesting part for me is this next part. Fighting for a playoff spot, I have Dallas, Los Angeles, and New York. That's going to be a tight, tight squeeze. And, oh, and wait, am I missing a team? One, two, three, four, five, six. You're missing my eighth team, Atlanta. (sighs) Wow, I knew I missed a team. I can't count. All right, they're also fighting for a playoff spot. I don't think they make it, but I am curious for you, like, if you if gun to your head you had to pick four teams right now not making the playoffs what four teams are they and and I'm doing this to you because I'm pretty sure maybe I maybe I dreamt about this but I'm pretty sure you called me out on this last episode so now I'm returning the favor gun to your head please pick four teams that will not be making the playoffs for 2021 in the WNBA season well I only made you do it cuz you actually brought you actually brought it up but then didn't actually name the teams so uh, I, I well, whatever Ben Okay. Hey, I, I will. Hey, what do I know? I was only the person there. Anyway, 
<laughs> the only person there. I see. Yeah, I said I have Atlanta eighth, so I would probably go New York nine, Dallas ten, L.A. eleven. New York, Dallas, L.A. very close together. I, I would say they they can they can grab that spot, but I would favor Atlanta right now, and then Indiana twelve. Interesting. Yeah, I I I feel that. I mean, for me, it's 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 Dallas. Yeah, it's Dallas or Atlanta, and it, and it's really a matter of okay, what can we see from them? I I don't have it as clear cut. I I kind am leaning Dallas, just because of I don't know. I I guess Dallas is still younger, and 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 Atlanta is very much dependent on a singular second year vet versus Dallas, who's very dependent on you know, like multiple under three year vets. So I get it. Um, that's where I, that's where I push back on Atlanta and why I like, like why I like them. Kennedy. Well, one for Kennedy Carter, she actually has someone. She actually has two players. I can't believe she has two players now that can actually pick and pop and make a three pointer. How big of a difference is that going to make for her? But the rest of the main players on their roster, those are all really proven, like really good players that we've actually seen something from. Courtney Williams, Shakina Strickland, Cheyenne Parker, Tiana Hawkins, who I mentioned, Elizabeth Williams. They even traded for Vonnie Turner to come off the bench. Compare that to Dallas. Who's the starting center in Dallas this season? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I completely hear you. He's, and he's, while... he's melting before my eyes. No, I, my thing is that my here's my thing. My thing is is that Dallas is dependent on big growth from multiple players, right? Which I don't think is that crazy for it to happen. Atlanta is not dependent on that, but I will say that I do think that the 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 ceiling for this Dallas Wings team is a little bit higher. I don't think they're going to reach that potential this season. But I think if, you know, if we went into the future five years down the road and we look at this and we go looking back and we look at these rosters, I think it's very easy for us to say, wow, how did, how did Atlanta beat Dallas out for that last playoff spot? Which is a cop out. Yes, I'm, I'm well aware of that. Um, but yeah, I, I just think, there's so much talent on this Dallas team. They're so fun to watch. I would not be surprised for them to to edge that out, even though I do think, for the reasons that you listed, uh, Atlanta is the better team as of now. Any final thoughts on the power rankings? I feel like we've we've knocked out the park, in my opinion, at least. We I I, I did my goal. I I irked you, not irked you. I I carried in the stick to you into a debate about something, and we disagreed. So I feel very I feel like it was worth the time. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts on the power ranking? Well, yeah, I think we can at least maybe rapid fire the teams we didn't get to at all. But on on Dallas first, the with some of these teams too, the thing is looking at what they have. It's just what are what are some of the likely five player combinations you're going to put on on the court, and how good are they going to be? Right, that's what makes it so easy to like some of those contenders, and even. Connecticut or Seattle, I think they might have some flaws, but they have that proven star talent, right? For Dallas, mm-hmm. I brought up who's who's their starting center because I think, yeah, I think they're going to be, they can be really dangerous on offense and they're going to have the element of the young legs with their roster and Enrique Gumboale and Satu Sabli can just go, go for 60 on pretty much anybody, but who's the center, right? How are they going to get it's almost the same question for Seattle, but Seattle has better options right now. But how are you going to be able to get some stops, right? They want to get out and run or they want to force turnovers. Well, the center, that's the most important piece of it. So how are they going to be able to do that and to actually, to, for that to really make a difference in how they're able to stay in some games? Yeah. And then another team that I think we should do a little rapid fire on is LA. I mean, we talked about it. I think both of us, view them as fighting for the eighth spot, possibly likely, maybe even not making the playoffs, which for WNBA fans, for the LA Sparks not to make the playoffs, you have to go back to 2011. The LA Sparks who have been in the league 
the whole time in the league. So we're entering the 25th season. This would be just the fifth time the team did not make the playoffs at all if this happened, um, which I think is noteworthy just because of the history of this team. But you look at this roster, they're going to have to prove a lot of people wrong to make the playoffs. Well, and I, I don't know if that has to be this, <laughs> like, uh, like their version of a disrespect campaign. Like, just look at their team. I mean, they kind of just, they didn't run it back and then they just kind of grabbed what was available, right? I mean... Yeah, I think Erica Wheeler is going to have a good season and Wheeler and Tolliver being able to run pick and rolls. Wheeler actually kind of went into some basketball stuff in her press conference, which was really cool. But just how's it going to fit all together? The the piece of what you have at center is Amanda Zowie B, the defensive anchor of a playoff team. We haven't seen anything to suggest that. And if it's the Agumake sisters playing together a lot, that might even get a little bit clunky on offense in the paint. And, you know, is Derek Fisher going to, you know, take a step forward with them offensively and just really be able to put this all together and set these players up to succeed? I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't totally love the mix. I don't totally love some of the, some of the decisions with the signings. And I just think the, the way it all pieces together, I think it's, I think it's just almost a team that's kind of like Dallas. You, they have their players that are going to be tough to stop, but how does it all really fit together? I don't, I don't, I don't see tremendous upside there. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna kind of have to. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's a, a lot. I mean, there, I feel like LA is going to be that type of team where you're like, all right, we're gonna fo- opposing teams are just gonna say we're focusing in on these one or two players. Everybody else, cool, work us. And, well, and, just, and, and, and how about Tolliver, right? What just what are we going to see? Is Tolliver just yeah. going to be what she was in the regular season in 19? Well, then that might, you know, that would make a pretty significant difference to go on proving that wrong. But we didn't, we didn't see Christy play for a year. So what's, what's that going to look like this year? I have no idea. Yeah. Hey, I'm with you. Uh, real quick. I want to get to fan questions. Uh, Indiana, I feel like we don't need to really talk about, um, <laughs> but we're going to touch on on all these teams, and I think fan questions are a fun one. We'll just do quick responses to that. Uh, first fan question, I apologize. Didn't want to copy and butcher everyone's Twitter names and all that jazz, but what is Indiana's mass- missing plan? Master plan, I can't read. What's Indiana's master plan? Are we missing the forest for the trees? Love that saying, missing the forest for the trees. I will reuse it and butcher it. Indiana's master plan, I don't know if... If it's not to to tank and and or uh, tanks the wrong word, if their plan isn't to accept a not great season so that they can grow some young players, which is something you called for last year, I called for last year. Heck, we've been calling for more than just last year. Um, then I don't know what their plan is. Any thoughts, Ben? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, no, I don't. I don't know what the plan is. I don't think. I don't think you're missing something here specific to the, the the things that they actually did. So far, if you want Jantel Lavender to be your vet, fine. Don't give her a three-year protected contract. That's basically a max contract. Why? That doesn't make any sense. She hasn't played in two years. And I know she said she, her foot's fine. She hasn't resumed basketball activities. It's not like she's playing overseas right now. You don't even know what you're getting. I mean, and even Daniel Robinson coming off a solid season who can be a serviceable player, but it's just, why, why do you need to make these three-year commitments? I just think the, the, the long-term vision has just really been, really been missing from what they're doing here. Next, next off season, the year after that, go spend your money on a restricted free agent on another good team that they might not be able to pay for. Maisha Hines Allen, she's a restricted free agent next off season. There's going to be names and there's going to be less money to spend. So why, why are you just why are you committing to these longer term commitments right now? Where else were those players going to go? Just sign them for a one or a two year deal. And if you're really going to spend big money this off season, then get an extension done with Kelsey Mitchell and at least get that out of the way and have that have peace of mind there. But it's just, you know, you can say at the end of the day we'll still have X in cap space, but it just some of these longer term deals that are just being given out left and right with some of these teams, it's just, 
you can, I, th I think these teams are in a way kind of just underrating. You can, you can spend that money next year and try to get a younger player that, that can fit more with this, with this young core. It's just, yeah, that, that's, that's my piece there. There you go. Most underrated signing so far. I'm going Cheyenne Parker. I think she's going to have a huge impact. And the reason I say most underrated, yes, she got a lot of notoriety when it happened, but because she didn't win most improved player last year, because she wasn't on a championship team, heck, because she has never won a championship, I think a lot of the other moves got a lot of attention. And for the reasons we spoke about during the power ranking segment, I really think I agree with you completely that she is going to have a huge impact for this team. Her ability to stretch the floor and to play with those teammates in Atlanta is going to be a deadly combination. Uh, who's your most underrated signing? I wrote down a list here. I'll, I'll get to, I think I ended up with two that I lumped together. I did like that Indiana did get Temi Fagbenle in the Odyssey Sims trade. Me too. I liked that call. Atlanta got Vani Turner for a third round pick, someone that can play off the bench. The Raquana Williams signing in Vegas, that'll get plenty of love. I don't think that'll be under the radar enough to really qualify here. I do like Kamaya Smalls for Connecticut to give them someone that can shoot off the bench. I got to watch more Sydney Wallace, by the way, too. <laughs> we'll see if, if, if she ends up making the roster, too. Brittany Sykes ended up being a bargain at that price, I would think, for L.A., but the big ones for me were Kiovan, a two-year contract back with Phoenix. Tiana Hawkins, also a two-year contract with Atlanta. Because, and this almost ties in with the Indiana point, those two contracts, they weren't protected. And those teams are getting good players. Kiovan had a really good season for Phoenix in her role last season. Really? They can try to play her with Brittany Griner, which I think that I remember they had mentioned last year and just have real stability at backup center and Atlanta to get one of the few stretch bigs on this market on an unprotected contract in Tiana Hawkins. It's not going to be some, some obstacle in whatever they end up doing next off season. Compare those two players and that aspect of this to Natalie Chanwa, Amanda Zowie B, Jantel Lavender, Brianna Jones, even the contracts Dallas gave out last year, a do Mariah Jefferson, Isabel Harrison. Compare that to all those players getting multi-year protected contracts. For those teams, you're you better be all in on those players because that's just your that player is going to be on your roster for the length of that contract, as opposed to trying to do something else and just maintaining more flexibility. Even Candace Dupree getting the big big one-year deal in Seattle. So I think you compare. The, the value of those two signings to the, all those that I just listed off, I think that's outstanding. I'm with you. Who do you think we hear from first, Cloud or Misaman? Now, I'm going to not answer the question. I'm going to say if I'm the Mystics, my main focus is Cloud first. They Last year, it was apparent that the issues that they had of not having Cloud. And also... If Cloud signs or when she signs, she's likely going to be there all season as opposed to Emma Miesemann, who has national team duties. Agree? Disagree? Any other thoughts, Ben? Yeah, of course. Washington needs to get get it done with Natasha Cloud and the, the financial planning aspect for them of they're going to have to carve out. I'm not sure what the, what the exact calculation is because I don't know what exactly the kind of the, the, the target date is for Emma Mieseman, if you're also factoring in the Olympics, right? So I, I mean, she can't know, right? Are the, we, th we think those things are going to happen, right? But we'll see. So I, th I think the, the, the different scenarios Washington has to plan here are really complex because they already have taken care of pretty much everything else. They signed Clark and they signed Tina Charles back at a big number. So they're working with a very specific pool of money here. And these are the the two things that they absolutely have to get done. So I would think that has to be a factor here. But yeah, if they just don't, if they don't have cloud, you're right. The, the aspect of you have having her all season 
and obviously driving the ship for them on, on both ends of the court. And, and Misaman, the, the Misaman part might be tough too, because it's just, what, what do you really expect from Emma, right? You can't, you can't expect her to know what this season's going to look like. And do you try to give her a deadline? Is there even any risk where Emma would look somewhere else? She is an unrestricted free agent as opposed to Cloud, who can only negotiate with the Mystics. But we haven't seen anything so far, and we haven't seen any reason to think Emma would want to go somewhere else. But but just whether or not we see her again, it just it comes back to Washington's already done X, Y, and Z, and they just have they only have a certain amount of money left to, to still make it happen with those two players. Appreciate the insight. If you were a GM, who amongst the remaining free agents would you try and sign? In parentheses, easy answer is Sims, but a non-Sims answer would be appreciated. Um, honestly, like Sims is is you know I agree. Sims is definitely up there. You got it. You got. Do you have some teams for Sims, by the way, that you like? Well, do you want me to talk from a salary cap standpoint or from a fit standpoint? Well, well yeah, it has to be possible, and there aren't very many. Well, exactly. I mean, what we're talking about, you know, Minnesota technically could. Um, see, I mean, here's the thing. None of them do. None of the ones that can actually afford her um, make me think that it would be a good fit. That's, Does that make sense? That's what I was going to ask is, do you see a team that you like a, a plausible suitor that you actually like more than Minnesota? <laughs> I'm not sure that I have one. Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, it's it's a shitty situation for her. Um, but hey, it's only so shitty because she's getting paid. So no, it's if that's um, what happens. No, it's not. What well, at the end of the day, there's no problem if that's what ends up happening. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just saying in the sense of like players want to play. But yes, you're right. You know, getting paid 119 to not do anything, not too bad, not too bad at all. You know, spend some time. With your kid, hang out at home, hone your craft, get better, do something next year. Um, well, wait, why, besides, why, why are you talking about it like she's she's been ruled out for the season? I'm not saying she's ruled out for the season. Yeah, there's an injury. Maybe someone brings her in, or someone cuts somebody. I mean, uh, I just I from where I'm standing now, I'm thinking, okay, the likelihood of her signing anywhere before the season isn't that high. Oh, I yeah, I disagree. Why wouldn't Minnesota okay. just try to do it? <laughs> no, if I'm Minnesota, I'm definitely trying to do it. There, it's much more of a question of, is she interested to come back after that? I know she was really happy in Minnesota. Things maybe change after that whole trade thing goes down. I don't know. Right. That's that's an interesting question is, did that, does that, uh, do, do those whole, do those machinations, did those possibly upset Odyssey? you know, that she got traded. So you could understand if you want to say, well, why do I want to go back there if you just move me? But the the reason of why Minnesota did it is easy to explain, but but that's really up to her there because but as what the question we're going to get to here was that when I was just looking at every team and okay, what what actually seems, what spots actually seem like they're up for grabs the spot behind Crystal Dangerfield in Minnesota was one that was one of the main ones that stood out. Does that is that just Rachel Bannum that ends up doing it? Do they do they work it out? Does Sims go back, or or is uh, is that maybe something they wait to address in the draft? Yeah, I mean it it will be interesting, especially because I mean they don't have much cap space. They they what I'm blanking right now, but because I don't have the cap numbers right in front of me. They do have the cap space, correct? But it would just be extremely tight. The links to re-sign Sims? Yes, at the vet minimum. Oh, of course. Yeah, they can do that. No problem. All right, cool. Um, appreciate the clarification. Other than that, I mean, I'd be looking at... We're, well, we're going we're gonna to talk about top free agents uh, besides Sims in a moment, so we'll get to it there. But... And this is a question I think we already talked on, so I don't think we need to respond to, but I want to give it a shout out because, hey, people did ask us. But what's our opinion on the LA team in its current state? Well, Will we didn't, they make we didn't more answer moves? the moves. We didn't actually do the last question, right? 
<laughs> what? Oh, who are who are the top remaining free agents? Yeah. Well, we're gonna get to that because we're gonna go over top free agents. Oh, we're doing that after later on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I figured, you know, we'll just talk Sims and then move on. But uh, L.A. in its current state, will they make more moves? I personally, I expect L.A. to make you know the same signings and focus on getting Vidiva over. You know, get the Agumakes on the roster. And bring over Vidiva if you can. I, I to me that's like kind of it, right? They they don't want to do too good. That well, I shouldn't say that. I don't think they're going to do too good, and I think it could damage them um, in regards to hey, being a, a a lottery team versus not a lottery team could damage you know things like that. It could damage your draft pick. So, what are your thoughts on the status of LA? Well, we're gonna get to it with the. The list of free agents but no i don't think there's someone just sitting out there that they need to be in a rush to go and get so i would circle just the aspect of if there is an odyssey sims like trade possibility that comes along where someone is trying to move a protected contract which is the very circumstance that you know teams shouldn't want to be in which is why i've highlighted in some of these cases why are you signing those contracts and Dallas is the team that comes to mind if they're trying to. If you're L.A., can you take a contract on if Dallas really wants to do that badly and ask for the number five or the number seven pick? That might seem unlikely, but if Dallas really wants to do it and time keeps ticking off the clock, maybe you can kind of wait them out there. So that would be the main thing I would circle. And and just, yeah, the, the Agumake sisters... NECA has not signed a new contract and we haven't seen any kind of update on what Chine's plans are. And, and yeah, you mentioned Badiva. We, we'll see what happens there, but she is under contract. So I just think it's, I think it's, can the trade happen? Finalizing deals for NECA and Chine, And then I think LA should leave a roster spot open, hopefully even two, frankly, or at least have the flexibility to easily open up a second and just sit there until even after the draft and just and just be the vulture circling the waiver wire because we're really down to, I think, for a lot of teams, seeing what happens in the second round of the draft and see who gets cut, scoop them up on waivers, or just maybe a second round pick becomes available and there's someone you really like and you maybe try to pounce on that on draft night and you know that's that's how they got Taya Cooper, right? So just last year. So see if you can also get value in, in that kind of opportunity. Uh, I actually really like that, and I like the vulture reference. Let's talk about what team what teams still have left to do. We talked about LA. I think we've touched on DC. I mean, there's there's only so many teams that really have stuff left to do. So I'm going to pass it over to you. What teams come to mind? What teams are you thinking of that? there's still something on the checklist for them to do in this free agency period, not in the draft specifically free agency. Yeah. Just in free agency, Washington is the big one. We just covered LA looking around at the other teams, just the international piece, of course, just trying to find out what those players want to do. Are some of them already going to say and know ahead of time, Hey, I won't come over. So you can you can go from there, but other than that, Cecilia Zandalcini, one of those players. What's going to happen there? Shatori Walker Kimbrough is sitting out there as a free agent, an unrestricted free agent, after getting traded to Phoenix, and then they pulled their qualifying offer for her. They ended up trading for Kia Nurse and Megan Walker, and the the options seem pretty slim at this point, even just in terms of gettable roster spots out there. So what happens with Walker Kimbrough? So some of these are more player-specific. Rebecca Allen for New York, that would be somebody that would that would feature pretty prominently in their rotation. I would think Liz Cambage for the Aces, although I don't I don't think they're going to feel any kind of pressure. They, they've got that plenty of cap space set aside to give Liz a max contract. So th- that's, that's not a huge issue there. So I, I just said it. I think we're really at the stage of what happens with these first round picks. So looking at you, Dallas, mainly, right? <laughs> Are some of these teams 
I think they might just be kind of looking at Dallas trying to pounce if if one or a couple of those picks become available. And then you can probably move from there. And then maybe we see some teams that want to get into the second round and, and see and see how that plays out and try to jockey for the, the sleepers that they might see in this draft. I'm calling it now. Everyone's been talking about how like this draft isn't that deep and next year is so deep. A bunch of players are not. Uh, this is me, just you know, Johnny Carson, uh, letter to the forehead. A bunch of players are going to take advantage of, the set of an extended year of eligibility in college, and next year's draft is going to be that much deeper. Uh, just call it now. Hate me, love me, whatever. Let's talk about the top free agents left, and I kind of broke it into two subcategories for me. The flat-out top free agents left in no specific order. And then free agents that, you know, just based off of of what they've been able to accomplish in their career still deserve to be mentioned in this conversation. So I'll let you kind of decipher which is which group. But I have Odyssey Sims, Glory Johnson, Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, Bria Holmes, Sidney Colson, Shanice Johnson, Essence Carson, the GOAT, Simone Augustus, and Karima Christmas Kelly. Are there any players that I missed there? For for the very top free agents, not necessarily for me because again, there just there don't seem to be very many gettable spots left. I did Reza Musina is one player for me, the young forward. Plays plays with, with Maria Vadiva on the Russian national team. Could be an interesting forward. I think it's easy to see her as a stretch forward, but she does have a little bit of that ability to put the ball on the floor. She also is very thin, and and again, I don't I don't know what what her commitment level. Maybe, commitment might be unfair word to use, but just does she want to come over, especially when she's she's try she's had a couple rounds here, and just hey, are you actually gonna let give me a real chance to be on your roster? That kind of thing. Haley Gorecki. Well, yeah, how many how many teams really have spots? That that's the other thing yeah. that I feel like is the elephant in the room. There's just not that many spots left. I mean, we talk about it all the time how hard it is to make a WNBA roster. We're getting to the point where household names or people that have been in the league for a while now are go- might be forced into retirement or forced into taking a season off. And is that the worst thing in the world? No, not necessarily, but it is a, a harsh reality of where we are. Yeah, I mean, we can I can go quickly team by team if you want and how, you know, just whether I think a roster spots even open. Boom, do it. So, Atlanta maybe one spot. But I'm not sure that it's I'm not sure that they'll in this case that they'll even be carrying 12 players. So, Atlanta carrying 11, I think they might be done if they just if they just select their first round pick and if and if Bonnie Turner's seen as a, a pretty strong candidate to make their roster. Chicago, in theory, they could waive somebody and sign a player at the veterans minimum. So that could be somebody to circle, but between their first round pick, their second round pick, and just are the players they already have under contract plus Brittany Boyd on a training camp deal. I don't even really think I would say that they really have an open roster spot. Connecticut, they're totally strapped. They can't even they can't even pry open the room to offer somebody a contract at the veterans minimum. So that's someone with with three or more years of service. So a lot of these names, right? Essence Carson, Shanice Johnson, if you want to throw them out there, that they have to sign for at least that much. <laughs> so yeah. Connecticut and Phoenix, the other team, they they can't do that. They don't have that room, that kind of room. Dallas, that you would think, oh, are they flexible? They have all these picks. Not really. They're already spoken for, basically in terms of their roster. Indiana, they could move some stuff around. We also don't know what Jessica Breland's contract came in at, so it's it's tough to get the whole the whole picture there. So. One or two spots, it would probably be fair to say those are still in play. 
Las Vegas. I think that'll come down to just more to their draft picks. I don't know if I see an opening there. The Sparks, if they waived Tierra Ruffin Pratt, maybe they could sign somebody else instead. Maybe one spot there. Minnesota, I think they're spoken for with what they have on the roster. New York, same thing. Although with their international players, I, I just don't know how that's going to break for them. Covered Phoenix already. Seattle already has 14 players, if you include the training camp contracts, plus all of their picks this year. So I don't see that opportunity there. And Washington, I don't really see them. I doubt, I mean... They kind of made their one play. If they're going to keep someone that's not uh, a rookie making that that total minimum salary, they already got Erica McCall. I mean, are they even going to have to move on to Erica McCall just because that can open up 10000 whatever more dollars because it's going to be that slim for them? So to sum it up, what did I actually say here? Maybe a spot or two in Indiana. Maybe one in L.A. Chicago, if they really wanted to. Other than that, there there just isn't really, see, there doesn't seem to be anything in play. Again, I, I think I think a lot of those other spots are are just more for second round picks and, and rookies that get cut. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I will say you did mention before that you thought maybe Sims goes back to Minnesota, which would be at a vet minimum. So Minnesota, maybe. Yeah, that was a, that was for a pretty specific player there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I hear you. I just didn't want, you know, the trolls to come after us. Any final thoughts on any of these topics before we sign off for the day? Yeah, I was I was finished. I was trying to finish my uh the couple players I'd mentioned. I was going to say Haley Gorecki. Maybe that could be somebody that gets a look as just maybe a a two guard with some size that can shoot. I, I, I do like a lot of what she did offensively. Her final season at Duke, do teams think she'll be able to defend? Will she be able to dribble, uh, handle the ball a lot against against WNBA athleticism? Maybe that's the open question there. I also wonder if, how about uh, how about this one? How about Taylor Hill? Is Taylor Hill trying to make a comeback? That's that's left field. That's a name I've wondered right? about. No, it's a great call. I did I did recently see on Instagram she was posting some workout videos of her in the gym getting some shots up. So. Not not crazy. Yeah, so we'll see. But again, as we just as we just covered, I I think a lot of these teams have have the bigger picture taken care of. Yeah. Hey, I agree with you, and I appreciate your insight. Don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast, the Windsider Show, and another podcast, the Floor Game. Ben Dole is the host, and it's presented by Windsider. You can find all these shows on your favorite podcast apps, but make sure you download them when you listen. It helps our stats and in turn gives us the ability to continue to continue doing what we do.